See, sometimes when, when people are new to the faith, they think that no one's ever found this before. I may have told you about a friend of ours whose husband um, grew up in Washington, D.C., lived his whole life there. Went to a Catholic university, and I forget which class it was, but he had to read Martin Luther's commentary on Romans as in a class. And God used that commentary to convert him. And he was so excited, but he says, I don't think anybody else in Washington, D.C. knows about this. This is so exciting. This is so new. And that kind of excitement is good. But how do you help people understand that when God spoke and when he gave his word to us to be passed on through the generations, that we're part of that offspring forever? I remember when I was ordained in October of 1976. I knelt down. This crowd of men, including my father, stood over me and they prayed. One of the things that we were taught and we understood was that our ordination ultimately could be traced back to the apostles. To one generation after the next generation. You have heard me speak of when I baptized my grandchildren that they are the tenth generation that we know about who had faith. That it's passed on. And so when you look at a world that is, that is confused, a world that just seems so broken, you can know that God is keeping faith generation to generation. And sometimes he surprises us of that path. When I hear Mary... say in the end of 48, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She is not separating herself, but she is including herself in that tide. Because that is how Jewish people would have thought of themselves, that we are truly blessed by God. We are reminded that in the benedictions. We are reminded of that in the Psalms. And so Mary wants people to know and when she says from now on all generations will call me blessed why do all generations do that because her story has been spoken by God has been told by God and has been written down by scripture we know about Mary because God included that story in scripture That here is a woman who God was doing something unique in that she probably didn't fully understand 
Because it's interesting to watch his relationship with his family that it's like, okay, we got this son, we got this brother, we got, you know, who is he? But yet, all generations, we'll call it. And so, as part of Advent, as part of the Christmas story, the words of Mary are sung, spoken, remembered, read, in all kinds of languages and all kinds of people, because God used someone whom she surprised, she, she describes as a humble servant. I say this in all seriousness, but it is somewhat humorous. When you read this, this is not a selfie, is it? This isn't about look at me. It's about what we're going to see at the end. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. But yet in the middle of all of this, of her psalm, her song, the theme of mercy is there again, as we saw last week. But you see, when we look at mercy in Mary's words, we see that God is going to turn the world upside down. Here is someone who describes themselves as a humble servant. She's not looking for the spotlight. She's not trying to say, everybody look at me. Because she recognizes she has experienced mercy. Look at verse 50. And his mercy is for those who fear him what? From generation to generation. When you think about Christians, do you think about mercy and passing on mercy from generation to generation? That's part of who we are. We are a merciful people because we have received mercy. Verse 54, <laughs> he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his Mercy. How many times in Scripture do you hear God do something because He's merciful? See, I think sometimes we pass on the, the appearance that the Christians are judgmental rather than merciful. Now, what we're going to see in this is God is going to turn the world upside down. Verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. You see how he's starting his judgment, is turning the world upside down with their thoughts. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their thoughts. Verse 52, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of a humble estate. John Calvin, in, in writing about this, said that sometimes when we see revolution, when we see the disturbance, we see kings fall, and we see this and we see that, we need to remember that God's eternal justice is being worked out in his time and in his place. You see, when the world gets turned upside down, it's messy. See, you, he brings down the mighty from their thrones. He exalted those of humble estate. 
Verse 53, and he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. One of the things that John Calvin, we heard months ago in a sermon, was he said that everyone should have food in Geneva. All the, all the, the refugees, because you had German refugees, French refugees, you had all these people who were there without jobs, without means, and Calvin was saying, we have to feed them. I saw something that disturbed me. This young woman um, from Atlanta, Georgia, gave a TED talk about feeding the hungry. And one of the things I remember that she brought home was too often we are giving them food and not meals. We're giving them leftovers that don't make sense that aren't necessarily healthy for them. Being a young millennial, her response was, well, I'm going to build an app for that. Thousands of dollars worth of leftover food from restaurants and, and from supermarkets now are collected and distributed so that people can have meals and not just food. Do, do you hear the difference between giving somebody enough food. I watched a friend of mine in St. Louis on, on Facebook working with other pastors. They give out about 2,000 Thanksgiving and Christmas meals. In other words, it's all the food. It's not just a turkey. It's the dressing. It's the green beans and the corn and other things that people eat in the United States. It's at it, it Christmas, but they give them a meal. Do you hear the power in this simple sentence in verse 53? He has filled the hungry with good things, that that is part of the mission of the church, and the rich he has sent away empty. In the last 15, 20 years, we have seen how wealth can just evaporate. And so I think that, you know, as we think about his mercy, that we are to show his mercy so indeed the hungry are filled with good things. The charity... And all that goes with it. Because what this young woman said was, we have been having food banks and this and that for years and we never solved the problem. Because we're always used to doing it. And we haven't said, what really happens? And so when I, I look at this and I see he has filled the hungry with good things. We know that the poor, the disenfranchised, the refugees, the ones who live on the margins, the ones who don't get food, and they rely on the mercy of others. 
We cannot look at the hungry and think of them as our enemies. They must be seen as our neighbors. I mean, when he says that he's exalted those of a humble estate, do you see how God's mercy turns things upside down and in turning things upside down, sometimes it will make us uncomfortable. I've chosen to close with going back to the beginning. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. That's who is important to her. The Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You know, the idea of, okay, what are you going to do with this on Monday? What are you going to do with this passage on Monday? Are you able to rejoice in God, your Savior, in spite of whatever may happen? We uh, went to Dingwall yesterday. Dingwall, for us to get there, I, I say, I don't know if it's true or not, because I haven't been on all the single track roads in Scotland, but I think there are five miles of the worst single track roads in Scotland on the road to Dingwall. You have all these blind corners. Blind corners that just aren't blind, but they got trees there. They got Stone walls, I mean, there's all kinds of things that, you know, and then you got blind summons. I don't know what God's going to throw at us this next week. I mean, I read about a tornado in England. I didn't know you guys had tornadoes. You know, in the United States, we have them all the time. We're... You know, we have Tornado Alley. We have a season. Children grow up knowing where to run in their schools to be safe because of a tornado. A friend of mine who was stationed at the base where I was in my last assignment said that when she was in basic training, and in basic training, they work you, and they work you, and they work you, and they had all these drills, you know, here comes a tornado, what are you going to do? So the problem was, we were so exhausted, when the real tornado came, we slept through it. (laughs) Their dormitory did not get hit, they were safe, but... It made the senior people realize that if you train your people to the point of exhaustion, all the training goes out the window. See, I don't know what you're going to face. Some of you may have very happy and merry Christmas. Some of you may have Christmases that something happens. We have a friend who's Father is not going to come have Christmas with his daughter because of politics. I think I'm seeing something in my whole 70 years I've never seen before. Families that are really bitterly divided in my country over politics. 
People won't speak with each other. People won't sit down. But when I hear Mary say, my soul magnifies the spirit and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Do you see the opportunity for joy in the midst of darkness, joy in the midst of disruption? Because you've got a Savior. See, when you walk out of here today, I want you to know that you have a Savior, a merciful Savior. A Savior that you can pass on to the next generation. Because here's this baby who's going to grow up and die on a cross, be resurrected, pay for our sins. That God is my Savior. I don't earn it. He gives it to me. Abraham received God's covenant of grace because God chose him to pass it on. To get ready for Jesus. So I hope you have the last part of this psalm, song. My Savior rejoices in God my Savior. Now I haven't stressed it because we stressed it in our singing. See, sometimes the sermon's in the music. I hope you can hum through holy is his name. It's part of the reason why you rejoice in God, my Savior. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you that we can rejoice with Mary. We can be blessed with Mary because we have received your mercy with Mary. Help us to pass it on to the next generation. Help us to wake up each day and find our joy in you, our God and our Savior. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.